I want to talk to you about the supernatural, and I want to talk to you about miracles. God is miraculous and supernatural in his nature, and because you're made in his image, so are you. And the church is a supernatural enterprise, so it's important for me as a pastor of a church to emphasize this, and the goal for me is a phrase I want you to write down if you're a note taker. It's on, on learning to be supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. I, this is helpful to me because um, supernaturally natural means we don't have affectations, we're not putting on church speak, we're not indoctrinated in a sort of tangential kind of alternate pseudo-culture, but we're in the world, but we're not of it, and we're authentic and we're pertinent for the people around us. And I want to talk about that. It's really important. And then also naturally supernatural, where this becomes first nature to you and me. And um, it would never be if we didn't see the scriptures and the precedents for the way God does things. But since we have all this documentation, um, what I said last week, I'll, I'll say again, by studying the supernatural activity documented in the Bible, we see the Lord at work among his people. We see his creation. We see the miraculous in Jesus' ministry, in the, in the early church ministry. And uh, then we see patterns for us in our particular lifetime. It, what this does is this builds faith and it paints fresh targets, giving us confidence and clarity about how God operates and teaches us to be expectant for miracles. Like when we pray, we really believe in God. We're not just saying stuff. We're trusting God to take those things and answer those prayers. When we give our offerings, it's not like we're just throwing money into a bucket, into some sort of a sieve. We're intentional. We're giving on purpose. We're giving for God's purposes. When we share the gospel with somebody, we believe what it says in Romans chapter 1, like what Paul said to the Roman Empire. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it, in fact, is the power of God to salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Here's my friend Steve Clayman, Jewish. He got saved. It was his Messiah, Jeff Citrin. It was his, their Messiah. And uh, here I am, a Gentile. I'm grafted in, and I'm grateful for the privilege. Either way, Jesus died for the Jew and for the non-Jew. So Paul was called to the Gentiles and Peter primarily to the Jews, but it all works out. And uh, God uh, breaks down the dividing wall and he brings people together. It's amazing. We're all one in Christ. And it's, it's thrilling to understand that if anyone's in Christ, he or she becomes a new creation. And so I want you to learn to be supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. And I want to go to a, a scripture that, because, look, the secret of strength is not determination. And the secret of the miraculous is not something elusive, and it's not something that we have to work up. The secret of strength is not determination. It is the absorption of the words of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I preach a lot about perseverance, but I am not a proponent of human determinism. I want to tell you what I am saying and what I'm not saying. What I am saying is let's trust in God. Let's fight the good fight of faith. But man, it's about the Lord and it's about his power. And, and, and even when we're weak, then he, he makes us strong, gives power to the faint. 
I love Daniel chapter 10, verse 19. So let's start with that. Daniel chapter 10, verse 19. I'll read it to you in the King James and in the New American Standard. The New American Standard says it. He said, O man of, of high esteem, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Now, as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said, may my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. That is a profound scripture. What I said earlier was the secret of strength is not determination. It's the absorption of the words of God. He said, O man, greatly beloved, highly esteemed. Did you know you're loved by God? God so loved the world he sent Jesus. Did you know you're called the beloved over and over and over again in the New Testament? That means that you are loved, valued, prized. We knew Daniel was esteemed. And if we're, if we're not reading the scriptures properly, we would think it was because of his performance. But God is not loving people by their performance or he would have dismissed David early on in his life. God is loving because God is love and we love because he first loved us. Can I hear an amen? amen. You are highly esteemed. If the devil's been beating on you, it's because you're a threat to him. You are the redeemed of the Lord. And the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Peace be unto you. Be strong. Yea, be strong. And, and when he has spoken unto me, see, he's starting to absorb the words from God. When he had spoken to me, I was strengthened. Say, I was strengthened. See, you might have come in here one way, a bit depleted or down or through the circumstances of life or unusual demonic activity or maybe just disappointment or, or, or you've watched too much news or whatever it may be, blasé feelings, haven't slept enough, whatever. But let me tell you, strength comes by hearing God's word. Faith comes by hearing God's word. And I'm teaching about the miraculous and I'm teaching about the supernatural. And let me tell you, our God is supernatural. Our God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And God said and insisted to Joshua and Caleb, only be strong and very courageous. God instructed Daniel in the context of, of Babylon. He said, be strong, be strong. He strengthens us with power through his spirit in the inner man, is what Paul prayed for the early church. I pray these scriptures all the time for you guys and for myself. They're great scriptures. The head of the theology department at Missouri Baptist said he prays those prayers for the believers, the epistles' prayers. I agree with him. Uh, my, my Pentecostal teachers I listened to said the same thing. Baptist, Pentecostal, Catholic, whatever. We take hold of the promises of God and born in a new birth context, we're going to move out in strength. They that wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. To those who lack mighty increases power. He gives power to the faint. Hallelujah. He gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. I'll tell you, I, that's my testimony. The, the miracle of the new birth. The miracle of coming out of callous darkness and nothingness and being convicted by the Holy Spirit that there's a God. To have wide awake, genuine Christians gently communicate the truth to me that were supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. Vietnam vet that led me to the Lord was supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. Jill, who invited me to church, she was just normal. The pastor that was there was very down to earth and normal, no affectations, no frills. It was substance. 
Hallelujah. We'll be at our best if we'll, if we'll walk in that as we absorb the words of God. Another scripture, Psalm 119, verse 28. It says, my soul melts for heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. The secret of strength is not determination. It's the absorption of the words of God. We meditate on the word of God. We ponder the pages. We fix our hope on the, on the living God who is so faithful. Now I'm talking to people in this room that have a mission. You're responsible for some things. Listen to what Noah had in obedience. He prepared an ark after the Lord said to him, I want you to take care of something for me. Not only your family, but animals two by two. And in fact, I, I'm going to do something where I need a reset on humanity. So would you please save humanity for me? And he said, yes, sir. Joseph was sent to Egypt to preserve not only his family, but even impact Egypt. When Daniel, in fact, was uh, taken from the context of his home and put in the context of Babylon, the 70-year captivity, the Lord instructed him not to decrease, but increase. While all the false prophets were saying it'll be over with fast, Jeremiah had to come along and say, I'm sorry, it's going to be 70 years, but God knows the plans he has for you. Plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. Said, you'll seek for me and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. That's hopeful. That's realism. No, life is not idealistic. It's tough. That George Convey, the guy who helped us get in this building, who I, I owe so much to for his support, when I talked to so many uh, real estate people, they, when they found out we were a church and we were trying to get the zoning change, they didn't want to hassle with it. But George said, uh, well, what's, what's the nature of your business? I said, well, I'm a pastor of a church. And he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm on my, my church board of our building program as Roman Catholic Church. And he said, uh, yeah, I know the people who own that building. Let me, you know, let me help you out. Well, he just sent me a video from a guy. I think his voice sounded like he was either from India or Pakistan. And yesterday, and it, and it was a video that talked about people that were born in 1985 are all upset and they don't think their grandparents have a concept for how hard and complex life is right now. So he said, this guy said, if you were born in 1900, uh, by, by 1917, uh, when you were 17 years old, the world broke out in World War I and so many people, you know, millions of people died. And then the, the, the Spanish flu hit and 30 million or some, something died. And then uh, World War II hit if you were, when you were about 40. Uh, uh, Hitler became uh, the, the, the Fuhrer and the Nazis rose up and then killed uh, like 60 million people, 6 million Jews in the Holocaust. And then in, in, by, if you were, when you were 52 or 3, Korea broke out and there was a war there. And then when you were about 64, or 65, then Vietnam broke out, and then, oh, in 1929, when you were 29 years old, the, st the stock market crashed, and, and there was a dust bowl, and so then he basically said, if you just get a little bit of perspective, we read about Joseph, and his life was not easy. We read about Daniel, and his life was not easy. We read about Paul, and there was resistance to what God had called him to do, but there was a mission on his life. And so we don't whine and whimper. God, we are not of those who shriek back. We're not in denial about the problems, but we're not going to sit and stew and foment and be bitter and bummed out, are we? We're going to receive strength from the Lord. 
and, and you know, Joseph, God used him to help in Genesis 45. He said, what you meant for harm, God turned around for good. And he had the miracle of godly perception to interpret dreams the anointing of the Holy Spirit in supernatural, miraculous terms manifest through that young Jewish man. God anointed him and gave him wisdom. Let's fill the silos and get people ready because there's going to be a famine. And God anoints people for that sort of thing. Esther, she soaked in oil for, for a, a, a year. Uh, how about that? That doesn't seem, it's like, uh, what, what is that preparation? She but God had prepared her to preserve the Jewish people from Haman's evil, demonic, anti-Semitic persecution. The disciples were sent out in power with signs and wonders following. Uh, the, there was a demon-possessed man that was healed, and he was sent back to, to his home in Decapolis with a message for his own home. And there's a special work on each life in Mark chapter 13, verse 34, it talks about the assigning to each one his particular task. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9. I'm preaching on the miraculous. I'm preaching about being supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. I'm, I'm raising the bar and raising your consciousness and stirring you up by way of reminder because strength comes not by human determinism, but by the absorption of God's word. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9. It says, Now, as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Beloved, let us love one another. There's an actor named Sarsgaard, and he went to Wash U, and he was a Roman Catholic. He said he was fascinated by the teaching in the, his church that you're supposed to love your enemies. He said that freaked him out growing up. And uh, it's because it's, it's counterintuitive, it's radical. It's actually, anybody that looks at Christianity the way it really is, it's amazing. It's the most wonderful, fulfilling dimension to live in because there's a holy God that answers prayer, manifests himself, lives amongst his people. He, he invites us into fellowship with him and to walk in love. It says, it says, for indeed you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. This is... Paul telling the Thessalonians and commending them, but he says, I urge you, brethren, to excel still more. And then he says, and make it your ambition. It was the ambition of Joseph to save Egypt. It was the ambition of Noah to build an ark. It was the ambition of Esther to intervene and save the Jewish people from extermination. Hallelujah. Yeah. Jesus was in her lineage. He said, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Attend to your own business. Work with your own hands, just as we commanded you so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. There's a miracle in your hands. There's, an, there's a miracle in your simple acts of obedience. There, there's a, a miracle in being faithful. And listen, it, what, what you do in the small things, you're going to do in the medium and big things. We're on on-the-job training right now, and the Holy Spirit who is the author of the miraculous, is downloading preparatory uh, conditioning in this atmosphere and getting us ready. If we pay attention, we, we're getting made ready for the next phases of things that will be absolutely phenomenal. Supernatural manifestations of the glory of God are about to come on mankind. And God is looking for vessels, men and women, that will yield to the Holy Spirit 
regardless of age, regardless of how long you've been a Christian, that you absorb the words of God, you're going to be strengthened. You absorb the teachings of Scripture, you're going to get your bearings. For example, these verses admonish us, hey man, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life as opposed to a loud, chattery life. Uh, attend to your own business instead of being a busybody and minding other people's business. And work with your own hands instead of having a sense of entitlement and expectation that somebody else, the world owes you a living. My dad said over and over and over and over again to us as children, the world doesn't owe you a living. And he also said life is tough, it's not fair. So he was good at communicating the, the realities of life, but yet I'm communicating to you in addition to that, the supernatural hand of God is upon you. And the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, looking for someone whose heart is completely his that he may strongly support. You're in a season. You've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this, is what God told Esther through Mordecai. So God has a plan for you. But the special work, the assignments, the tasks, are usually tucked in simple, basic things. I've seen some of the greatest miracles manifest through simple acts of obedience. The beginning of this church, we had a visitor who was stricken with a terrible autoimmune, um, multiple sclerosis, and had those crutches with the little hand, the little metal crutches holding on right here because she couldn't hold, even balance herself. And so we, I, I simply uh, obeyed the prompting of the Lord, prayed for her, prayed the prayer of faith. She got a miraculous cure. Instant healing, instant healing. I know another lady, was a, she was the personal assistant to a, the pastor of the largest church of their denomination in America and had multiple sclerosis. She came here and she got healed of multiple sclerosis while she was visiting here and being his assistant. Hallelujah. I'm glad our church could help that pastor's assistant get healed so they, she could do her job better and be happier and the pastor got blessed from the supernatural aspects that we understand. I have a Presbyterian pastor friend who said, though I don't operate in these gifts, let me tell you about a group that does. They understood the hand of the Lord on this church. The denominational Christians, if you show respect to people and you honor them, then, then they, they're not in the defensive and it's not us and them polarity. We start loving each other the way God wants us to, then we'll be able to bring to the church bodies what they, what they need. We'll learn some of the liturgical value of reverence and we'll learn some of the disciplines of study and those kinds of dynamics. But man, we have something to offer in this particular case. We understand God to be supernatural. Strong is he who carries out his word. He is mighty. He's not weak toward us. He's mighty in us. Hallelujah. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians because I think this is a good place to, to just kind of settle into this idea because what I'm trying to do is get you to absorb the words of God concerning the miraculous so you take on a confidence, a faith about God manifesting himself through you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 he said, and, and first of all, in verse 1, he said, And when I came to you, brethren, I, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. I noticed early on a sort of pseudo-quasi-intellectualism that tried to alight upon the church. 
And I, I had a lady challenge me and said I was anti-intellectual. Well, I was, I was finishing my college degree. I was studying. I'm a student. I read all the time. I value intellect. Remember Georgi Saninsky, the guy was a genius. I, I still celebrate the level of intelligence the man operated in. But listen, Proverbs 3, 5 says that we not, we're not to lean on our own understanding and all our ways we acknowledge him. That doesn't mean dumb it down. It just means that God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And no one could come to him unless he draws him. So Paul is basically saying, man, I want the Corinthians to get it hardcore, impactful in their hearts, and I want, I, I've determined to know nothing among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So what he's saying is, I want to be very astute about what Jesus came to bring, who Jesus is, that what he brought, what, how, what he fulfilled. He fulfilled the law. He, the law and the prophets are all summed up in him. He is the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer, the Healer. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and power. Did you hear that? We need the demonstration of the Spirit and power. Like, like when you, you had that car wreck, right? And then you came to that prayer meeting. You, what you did is you ran to God. And you were seeking after God. And I'm so proud of you for that. And you got delivered. Because you, that, was, that could have been fatal. And how long ago was that? Seven years ago. I was so proud of you for what you did going, drawing near to God. And here you are right now. Apparently, you're still at it. Yeah, 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 because there's so many things that try to pull us away. But you got delivered. Isn't it amazing when you're alive from the dead? At first, you get real motivated. And then it's tempting to just kind of blend back in. And Isn't that amazing? Because, I mean, I've been back, brought back from death a couple of times. And you would think I would be like, um, you know, uh, more advanced than I am. You know what I mean? But God is good. Everybody say, but the Lord is merciful. He delights in showing mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I did, he said, listen, he said this. I was with, with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now, that's not Paul the apostle making a bad confession. Paul is saying, I'm not doing it in my own power. I'm not coming in my own prowess. I'm not leaning on my intellectualism. I'm not leaning on my, my verbosity or my skill set with words. He said, I, I, my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. He said in Acts chapter one, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. And then he said in Mark chapter 16, verse 16, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. There are disembodied spirits called demons. And we must rebuke them and take authority over them and bind the, the strong man so that we can spoil his goods. Principalities over cities have to respond to what we're saying and what we're seeing. The world, the church, People, their destiny is tied up into, as to whether or not you and I will absorb God's words and act on them sufficiently in order to see the salvation of the Lord hit our generation. It's not just sovereignly, God's going to do whatever he wants to do or not. God has given us a mandate to be doers of the word. 
So that's not just a sovereignty thing. In his sovereignty, he said, I want you to take a stand. I want you to learn. And I want you to study to show yourselves approved unto God. I want you to pray in faith. Yeah. You hear that? Yeah. I, listen, there are people on the other side of this message right now that are in desperate need to be born again. And, and, and Paul, he said, in this case, man, I just decided I'm going to come in here and trust God for the miraculous. And then he said this, he said, he, he goes on, and, and I'll go down because I don't have time to read the whole chapter, but you should read the whole chapter. This chapter is, it'll give you a get mule kick, your, the unbelief, right out of your life. Verse 14 says, A natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised. By no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? Then it says this, but we have access to and can tap into and read and study and learn uh, and have the mind of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church. Natural people don't even get it. They don't accept it. But when you're spiritual, you can appraise all things. You, you walk supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. Um, you know, there are jewelers that can take a little magnifier and they could look at a, at a jewel and they can see where the, the, the uh, occlusions are, they can see the, the, the clarity, the color, uh, they, they, could, they, they could look at it and say, I, I think the origin of this is in South Africa or it's from India or it's from South America. They, they have this kind of ability to appraise things. There are real estate people that can drive curb appeal, they can drive from the street and they can look at a house and just generally nail it. That this is the neighborhood, this is the school district, this is the age of the housing, this is, you know, there's a new roof on it or an old roof. They, they, and then how many, then they'll ask a little few more questions in their appraisal. Four bathrooms, two, you know, six bedrooms or one bed, you know, whatever it is. And, and they, they can tally it up. They can appraise things. You know, we visited a doctor that's one of the best in town. Started to explain things to her. No, it's not this, it's not this. Uh, her brain was just going like uh, a computer. And uh, no, she started, she started to, she, to gradate everything while, while we were communicating with her, before she even looked under the hood or anything, before she got the stethoscope out. And it was amazing to me. She, she appraised the situation with her skill and her knowledge. And she had an assessment and ruled out some of these other things and then narrowed it down to this. And it was like, what, really? And sure enough, that's what it was, without even looking under the hood. Now, listen, I'm talking to a bunch of people that have been born again. You've gotten your heart changed. Ezekiel said that God will take away the stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. He'll make you new inside. David longed for it, Ezekiel prophesied about it, and Paul preached the revelation of it that if anyone is in Christ, he or she becomes a brand new being. You're not of this world. Larry Norman said, what a mess the world is in. I wonder who began it. Don't ask me. I'm only visiting this planet. We're not of this world. We're just passing through. But while we're here, we don't have to be goofy, spooky, mystical. We don't have to be naive. We don't have to be jaded. We don't have to downplay and dumb it down. We don't have to avoid the miraculous. We don't have to try to manufacture it. We just need to understand what God's nature is and step up into it. We need to understand what our times are and what we're to do and move and acclimate to them and be available to the Holy Spirit. 
That's why it's important that we live a quiet life, work with our own hands, don't busy, not, not busy bodies, minding our own business, right? If we do that, we're walking in a humility, a clarity about things. We're not all that. We're not all strutting around. We're not down on ourselves. And we're not in false uh, pride about our, our, our esteeming ourselves too highly. We're, we're in a correct mode of, man, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God loves me with an everlasting love. I've been bought with a price. We stand on first chapter of Genesis 26 through 31, and then again reiterated in Genesis 2-7, when God created and formed humanity out of the ground, which is natural, then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. That's supernatural. Hallelujah. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. It says in John chapter 3, verse 6, so learn about the new birth. And learn about all that it entails. When you get saved, you're changed on the inside. Christianity is a big deal. It's not a Sunday thing for religious people. It's a whole lifetime. It's not a lifestyle. It's eternal life. It's the life that God originally intended that's been restored by the Savior who bought us with his own blood so we could have eternal life. Hallelujah. Look at who you really are. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. Hallelujah. How about that? Let me just tell you a few things. Because of Jesus, you are now complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Colossians 2.10. You are alive with Christ. Ephesians 2.5, we were dead, but now we've been made alive. Uh, Romans 8.2, you're free from the law of sin and death because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set you free. Because of Jesus, Isaiah 54.14 says, you're far from oppression and terror does not come near you. 1 John 5.18 says, I'm born of God and the evil one does not touch me. Do you know you'd have been a burnt match head if it wasn't for the grace of God? You know you'd have been gone a long time ago. She would have been lost out in that wreck. I would have been lost at sea, or, or we could have been, Patsy, there are things that happen. I watched with my own eyes how she almost lost her life. Then God delivered her, and God delivered us. God's been good to us. Look at somebody next to you and say, God's been good to you. Say this with me, because of Jesus, I have the mind of Christ. I just read that in 1 Corinthians 2.16. 2, Say this with me. I have the peace of God that passes understanding. Say this. I have the greater one living in me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Get this one. This will blow your mind. I'm holy and without blame before him in love. Say it. I am holy and without blame before him in love. Here's Romans 5.17. I love this one. I have received the gift of righteousness. Come on, help me out. And I reign as a king in life by Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Ephesians 1.17-18. Say it. I have received the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. The eyes of my understanding are being enlightened. 
Oh, here, this is what I'm talking about. Mark 16, 17 through 18, Luke 10, 17 and 19. I have received the power of the Holy Spirit to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, to cast out demons, to speak with new tongues. I have power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm me. That, see, it's not human determinism that makes you strong. It's absorbing the words of God. And so speaking these words is profound. Say this with me, Colossians 3.10. He says, I have put off the old man, and I put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him who created me. Try that. We're being renewed in the spirit of our mind. Luke 6.38 I have given, and it is given to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Blessings are poured into my lap. Listen, when I went on my first mission trip, I had goals. I prayed. God opened a door for me in England. The the man and woman that opened the doors to me, we met on a mission trip in, in Jerusalem. And they were, they were mighty, mighty people. He, worked, he was in the Royal Air Force in World War II. Uh, Mr. Brooks, her name was Irene. She's going to be 100 years old this month. And she was so, they started a, uh, they started a radio uh, station. It's one of the biggest Christian radio stations in all of Britain. So she knew everybody. She knew the leaders of the Elam Pentecostal Church, of the Assemblies of God, of Methodists, of, of the uh, Anglican Church. I mean, I had so much opportunity and so much favor. And I, I mean, I had so much favor. And I was believing God for, God uh, told me to speak on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and on soul winning. So I was going to teach on that. And I needed books. So I prayed and believed God for books. I prayed for the money to go on the trip. I didn't send out a, ma- a newsletter. There's no such thing as a GoFundMe page. And I still have never sent out a newsletter. Because I knew I had to trust God. And if this wasn't going to work on these levels, then I had no business going into the ministry. So then God, yet God provided on such a level for me. The doors opened. The the head of of the publishing company himself heard what I was doing and gave me the books at cost. And God provided the money for me for cost. And I was able to take those books and give them all out. And it was revolutionary to people. I went into an assembly of God church and the worship leader got baptized in the Holy Spirit. The youth pastor got baptized in the Holy Spirit. How do you become a youth pastor and a worship leader in an assembly of God church and not be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, they were stuck trying to think, you know, they had to get holy enough to get it. And I let them know that, man, you'd be waiting around forever, that God just is going to help you out. And they got wonderfully filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say God supplies. Look at somebody next to you and say, God is working things out for you. Look back at him and say, quit talking to me. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Say this, because of Jesus, I have no lack. For my God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So your faith is getting built in this. Ephesians 6.16 say, I quench all the fiery darts of the, of the wicked one with my shield of faith. 
Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, these works and greater works shall I do because of Jesus. Did you hear that? Say, I am God's workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. Couple more. I am a new creature in Christ. Uh, here's another one. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. This is where he'll sanctify you wholly and that your whole spirit and soul and body will be preserved, complete, without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How about that? Say this with me. I am a spirit being. I'm alive to God. Look at somebody next to you and say, watch out. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. See, I'm a believer and the light of the gospel shines in my mind. Say this with me. I have this treasure in earthen vessels. See, that's the peculiar aspect of humanity. We're made in the, out of the dust of the earth. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. We're natural, but then we've been born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God, and we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. I'm up here preaching sound doctrine to you about the new birth. Christianity is not theory. Christianity is not escapism. Christianity is not a great world religion. It is a radical impartation of the power of God into the life of a person who gets a new life and goes out with joy, led forth with peace, and signs and wonders are to follow. God's getting us ready for something, ready for harvest. I don't want to be sleeping during harvest. We'll get to put all the chairs back in this building. We'll continue. Notice I did not stop three services on Sunday. And I just had a birthday. I'm over 28 now, and I'm telling you, I'm staying in shape because I want to run this thing all the way as long as God has me do it. God's been working on me, and he's been working on you all this time. The least we could do is cooperate with him. The least we could do is have our expectation fixed on him and on his word. Hey, listen, check the scriptures. This is not fantasy. Even when we were at the Presbyterian church, the elders went and checked out our meeting. And there was, there was some powerful moves of the Holy Spirit. They said, Pastor, we, th we heard them speaking in tongues, and we think it's God. It, it, touched, the, the, it touched them. So much so that they, they invited a, a, a notable speaker who emerged at the same time as Billy Graham and at the same time as Dr. Bill Bright. His name was Louis Evans Jr. He went on, he was a, a minister in California, started a, a great church in San Diego. He started Bel Air Presbyterian. He was the pioneer uh, uh, founding pastor of Bel Air Presbyterian. And then he went on to Washington, D.C., where he famously served at the national, the main church where the presidents went. And then he became a speaker on a Friday night. I didn't know who he was. I have since... Uh, been there at Bel Air, and I know, you know, I, 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 it's amazing looking back how God set this level of favor up for the spirit-filled church, just walking and trying to develop and grow in our identity and try to obey the Holy Spirit and just do what God's telling us to do. I want to be faithful to the heavenly vision. I'm glad Joseph did what he was supposed to do. I'm glad Esther did what she was supposed to do. Noah, what he did. And the guy that went back to Decapolis and went to his household and brought the gospel. And I'm excited about the, the tasks that are before you and me. 
And I'm excited about the idea that we have heaven backing us up. You guys, listen, thank you that you didn't turn to something else. There was nothing on Netflix worth watching compared to this right now because this is supernatural. This will change and sustain you. And just, I'm about to finish. But listen, and we could go on and look in the mirror and, 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 and see who we really are. We're, 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 we have treasure in an earthen vessel. Polish this, dust this off, shake the heaviness, step up and say, God, I thank you. You answer my prayers. You grandparents, every time you get your little grandkids and you're there with them, walk around and pray for them. Lift them up to the throne of grace. You guys working jobs, just trust God that your witness, it just continues to afford you opportunities to speak and to communicate into people's lives. I'll finish with Acts chapter 17. Please turn there and we'll finish with this Acts chapter 17 because it was a supernatural moment. And this is how I want to end. Paul the Apostle was waiting in Athens for his friends. And while he was there, it was his custom to preach. His, his spirit was provoked because of this. he observed that the city was full of idols. So he, he, what he, the way he dealt with it, instead of railing against it, instead of getting into conspiracy theories or, or, or being angry, he just reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews, the God-fearing Gentiles, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. This guy was a soul winner. He was interested in having conversation with people and, and communicating, and he knew that by absorbing the words from God that people's lives could be changed. And uh, Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. And here's how they invited him to speak at their seminar. Verse 18. What would this idle babbler wish to say? What an insult to the Apostle Paul. Hey, idle babbler, what do you wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities, literally demons. So they're saying, this guy's proclaiming strange demons. Let's have him speak at our conference, is what they said. So... For, for they, he said, you're bringing some strange things to our ears, so we want to know what these things mean. See, they got hungry. Paul must have been anointed to where they listened. And he had, the, I had favor around him. And these guys, these Athenians, said, now all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. That sounds like today. That sounds like the marketplace of today. That sounds like the, 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 the discourse of the, the, the current trends of popular thinking. But Paul cuts right through it. And he, he stood in the midst of the Areopagus, which is called Mars Hill. And he said, in verse 22, men of Athens, I observe. Everybody say, I observe. Listen, I want you to be a noticer from now on. I want you to be observant from now on. I don't want you to be distracted. I don't want you to bury your head in the sand. I don't want you to dumb it down. I don't want you to be dull. I don't want you to focus on mid-range. I want you to be observant and be a noticer. Who will say, I'm willing to be a, a watchman on the wall? God in Ezekiel's day said he looked for people who would do this, and he said he found none. God wants our church body to be perceptive about our times. This is why I'm preaching the way I preach it, and I'm on fire with it. I came in here dog-tired, and man, I'm telling you, God has lit me up. This isn't just me being enthusiastic. I'm going to go back in, and I'm going to just sit down and go, what just happened? Because it's the anointing. 
God really wanted this to come over. Thank you, Jesus, for that. I observe you are very religious in all respects. For I, while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, see, when you're a noticer, you consider, I considered the dynamics of the business owners of our valley. God planted us in this neighborhood. I'm a student of the atmosphere God planted me in. You, you watch and you listen. You pay attention. You be, and why? Because you love the people so much, you desperately want to figure out their dialect so you could get this hope into their lives before they die and go to a Christless eternity. You want to win people to the Lord. He said, I noticed you had this altar with the inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. This is good preaching right here. They called him a, strain, a babbler uh, and an idle babbler and a, and a proclaimer of strange deities. Then he comes up with this. They're like, he said, and he, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. We're not in Esther's time frame right now. We're not in Noah's time frame. We're not in Joseph's time frame. We're not in the early church's time frame. We're in our time frame. And we learn from everything that we see in antiquity and we learn from the Old and New Testament. We learn the miracles of the New Testament. You look at the miracles of Jesus, turning water into wine at Cana, feeding the 5,000, and, and raising uh, Peter's um, mother-in-law from the fever, and on and on and on and on. Meditate on it. Because strength does not come from determination. Strength comes from uh, the absorption of the words of God. Mm. He said that they would seek him if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. See, he's inspiring hope. He's not being condescending. He's not even belittling their religion. He's not mocking them. You guys are idolaters. You guys are disgusting. You don't hear that. You don't hear him say, one-upsmanship, my deal is better than your deal. He's coming in with love. He's coming in with just such a desire. I've got to figure out how to get these guys out of this bondage. And he said, for in him we live and move and, 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 and exist or have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. Being then children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man, take a big deep breath, whom he has appointed, take a big deep breath, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Woo! It just got powerful. Easter in Athens. 
And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer, but others said, we'll, we shall hear you again concerning this. They procrastinated a little bit, needed more information, sort of agnostic. So Paul went out of their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom were Dionysius the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. Hallelujah, everybody say results. Let's all stand up on our feet. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. These signs follow those who believe. We believe, therefore we speak. Let's lift up our hands toward heaven. You guys at home, if you've not asked Jesus to become Lord and Savior, none of this is pertinent to you, but it can be and it will be upon your request to humble yourself and surrender to him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God sent his son to save us from our sins so we can be complete and connected with God. Hallelujah. If you're here tonight and you need to rededicate, rededicate. You want that kindling and that layers of firewood prepared in your life so when God flicks a match, you're ready to be fervent and enthusiastic and vibrant for the Lord. Say amen. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you cause a supernatural refreshing on every man, woman, and child at the sound of my voice. Father, I pray there be such signs, wonders, and miracles attesting manifestations for the, for the common good, for the glory of God, for the, for the people to have an, an, an aroused awareness and an awakening of who you are. I bind every evil spirit that's been sent to hinder. I break the power of sin and Satan over our lives in the name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus cancels out our debt of sin and breaks every barrier that would try to hinder the plan of God in our generation. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm trusting you for the miraculous, supernatural, signs and wonders in and through my life, in my church, in St. Louis, in the bi-state area, in all of North America. We pray for those in authority over us that they make the right decisions. The heart of the King is in the hand of the Lord. We pray and bind demons and evil forces that would try to hinder our freedoms. And we pray the Word of God will go forth in power, unhindered, with signs following. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name, amen.